Welcome to The Modern Extractor. This podcast focuses on the processes, equipment, and science found inside a cannabis extraction laboratory. I'm your host, Jason Showard, and I work professionally in the cannabis extraction field. Season three wrapped up in August after talking to an amazing lineup of guests making moves in the extraction industry. I'm currently in production on season four, and yet again, I've got some great guests lined up for you. We're back this week with another bonus episode full of interviews from the floor of the Extraction Expo in L.A. I'm doing my laundry and packing up my gear tonight so I can head out in the morning to MJ BizCon in Las Vegas. I got press passes for the show, and I'll be running around covering the latest and greatest in extraction and lab science technology. It's in-person shows like these that help me hunt down all the new tech to showcase on my regular season episodes. Today on the show, we've got Sheldon Lotspike, founder of Carbon Chemistry, Cameron Mateen, Director of Accounts for Infinite Chemical Analysis Labs, Nina Batsahoda, founder of Sandev, Radiant Hong, founder of Delta Munchies, Devin Miller, founder of High on Nature, George Stanchev, CEO of Comerg, and Karen Gallas, COO of Alchemy Extractors. Congratulations again to Lahua Brands for winning the drawing for free advertising that Sidco Cat and I did at the expo. Today's show is brought to you by Lahua Brands. Lahua is a family of brands with a pretty wide range of offerings. They make THC-infused beverages such as Olala Pure Cane Sodas, Mortimer Sodas, Wallace Sparkling Mineral Water, Andiamo Single Serve Coffee Pods, and my personal favorite, the Terp Tonic. Their patented process for increasing bioavailability sets their beverage offerings apart from the competition. In addition to their beverages, Lahua offers Herbology brand and Haku brand vape cartridges made with some really masterfully extracted CO2 oil and terpenes. Their fractional extraction techniques allow for terpene profiles almost identical to the flower they're extracted from. Speaking of these spot-on terp profiles, Lahua is selling strain-specific cannabis-derived terps under the brand name of Phenotech. I'm a huge fan of Lahua, and I'm very happy to be plugging them on my show. Modern Extractor listeners may recognize the Lahua name because when I hunted down the best man to come on to talk about CO2 extraction last season, I landed on none other than their co-founder, Randy Reed. That said, let's jump into today's show. Hey, this is Jason Showard, host of the Modern Extractor, coming at you live from the floor of the Extraction Expo here in Los Angeles. I'm sitting down with Sheldon Lotspike from Carbon Chemistry. He's the CEO and founder. Sheldon, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Glad to have you here. Tell us a little bit about what you guys do. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Carbon Chemistry, we sell adsorbents used for product purification. Um, you know, mainly it's taken off with CRC and people doing butane extraction. But, um, you know, we my entry into the cannabis industry was... Uh, during a time where extractors had a hard time getting gas, um, you know, chemical companies on the West Coast wouldn't sell butane to black market cash business, understandably so. But really seeing how persecuted the processor is, the people who are doing and providing, um, I mean, my understanding of like the chain of how we got here is from the Compassionate Care Act, um, where people could have weed, but you couldn't make it or produce it or be part of any supply chain in order to provide it to people. Yeah. So um, we got we started off with solvents, and um, my, my brother, uh, Lejen, uh, Shadow Knot, he 
started doing research into the into adsorbents and filtration, um, mainly in 2016 when the pesticide rules came out and product was testing hot. Mm -hmm. And so you had this issue where, okay, something's tested hot, what do you do? Is that just trash? Do you just destroy it? And At the time, according to the book, that was the answer, right? Yeah, and I mean, in a lot of places, that's still the answer. Um, but it, it started off a question because extraction was an efficient, you know, I think it's a sustainable edge to cannabis. You, you have trim. You know, trim used to be free. It was a waste product in a yeah. sense. And uh, then you had people extracting it, open blasting, and then closed loops. And as um, it's continued to evolve, you, you have an industry and a consumer that's sophisticated and, and looking to push the envelope and consume good cannabis. Absolutely. So then uh, as far as your process, you guys got started with absorbance, right? Is that Was that the very first things that you were selling? Yeah, it was really proof of concept. Um, bentonite clays, uh, you know, it started off, it, it was kind of tricky to convince people to put dirt into their boiling flask. Like, uh -huh. <laughs> but, um, you know, it started off and uh, T41 was our first product, uh, an acid activated bentonite clay with carbon in it. And um, it had it had some interesting results. You know, I was able to pull things out and then MagSil, um, a specifically activated magnesium silicate. And uh, it, it we just kind of started to, it, it, was, it was working for people who are trying to solve problems. And really since then it has been scaling up, launching new products and um, really just getting the products to market. I mean, scaling is probably our biggest challenge. I can imagine. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of logistics behind making sure that everyone's served with the same quality across the board, bringing these new products to market, making sure everything's safe. What would you say your most sought after product these days is at Carbon Chemistry? I mean, um, just by volume, uh, I would say it's T5. Uh, the you know it's a it's a it's a neutral clay, and it's the feedback that I get. T5 and silica seems to be the most common. A lot of people have tried everything. They come back to it, or um, you know, and and there's something to be said about that because it's that activity level is a little bit more moderate. You have less going on. It's more you know it can be a little bit more consistent for the processor. Um, so. All right, right on. So what, uh, with all of the new uh, isomerization processes and various conversions going on, requiring various medias, uh, I've seen some, some solventless conversion methods that are used, utilizing catalysts, which are in powder form or mm. bead form. Uh, do you guys dabble in that world at all? You know, not specifically. Um, sometimes we find out new ways that people are using our products. Uh, you know, uh, an, an acidic product can be used for conversion. Um, you acidify a solution and with heat you can get some D8 production and uh, that can be a precursor. But something that we've really looked into is, and that we have an interest in is, you know, how do you clean up some of these uh, reactions what is there post-processing if you're doing conversions yeah. for um, ultimately having a better end product? 
Well, yeah, you guys kind of made your name during this pesticide cleanup uh, time frame. So is there something that you offer that could potentially reduce some of the residual acids that people are, are running into after these conversion processes? Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, we sell a lot of uh, basic products. Uh, neutralization uh, can be a common step. Uh, yep. Some people do it. Some people don't. Uh, sometimes yeah. that's visually apparent. Um, you know, ultimately... It's, it's a mixture of launching products, raising awareness of what's there and how to use it. Um, I think a lot of our focus right now is ease of use uh, to make it so people can get consistent uh, elevated results. And uh, also a use case. That's one thing that I find is you can tell somebody how to use something, but if you tell them the value that they could gain at the market and explain the full picture, so I think that that, you know, you asked the question, how would somebody use your product? What do, would they seek to gain? Mm -hmm. um, we want to deliver, we're working right now to clarify the value prop in what you're doing and why you do it. All right, sounds good. Uh, last question for you. I, uh, I'm a big fan of Hash Fight. You guys recently appeared on Hash Fight across from Media Bros. What did the results end up being after all of that? You know, that's a great question. Um, uh, Murphy Murray, amazing extractor. Um, she had 12 fractions okay. and one product on the Media Bro side. So it was a little tricky because you had some terpene fractions, you had cannabinoid fractions. Um, but you know what? What came of that is we had been, we had stayed away from granular media because there were some questions around it, um, you know, safety, handling, source. And uh, really, it, we saw people were gaining a benefit from it, that there was efficacy. Okay. And the hash fights was such a great opportunity. I mean, competition is so healthy. You know, you see what people are doing, what their approach is. And I would say that uh, hash fights was really helpful to us to see what the value prop was and the messaging around it and physically being there and seeing them use head to head was really eye-opening for us, um, I mean, for me uh, specifically. And even though it was something that we were aware of uh, as, as a potential product, we we're so busy that it, it did get deprioritized. But I would say the largest result of HashFight is we learned from it. And uh, actually tomorrow we're launching a granular media. Uh, right. So if you want to know the outcome of hash fights, <laughs> we learned from it. There you go. All right. Well, Sheldon Lotspike, CEO and founder of Carbon Chemistry. Thanks for coming on The Water Distractor. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Hey, this is Jason Showered, host of The Water Extractor podcast, coming at you live from the floor of the Extraction Expo and CBD Expo West. I'm here with... Cameron. Cameron Mateen. Cameron Mateen, the director of accounts at Infinite Chemical. Cameron, what brings you to the show here today? Uh, we're here uh, just to talk to all these, you know, Delta 8, CBD, uh, and THC extractors that, that came by. Um, we're a PhD owned and operated uh, third party testing lab down in San Diego. Um, kind of what sets us apart from a lot of these other labs in the state is uh, the expertise that we have. Uh, behind the science. Uh, like I said, PhD owned and operated. Uh, that Those two owners are on site every day working directly with our team of chemists. Um, and we have a lot of PhDs on staff as well. I believe we have four PhD lab managers. Um, and so we're kind of on the leading edge of the analytical side of the industry in terms of uh, the services that we're able to offer 
uh, and the science that we're able to provide to help people, uh, you know, really stay on the cutting edge of the industry as well, whether it's product formulations, remediations, things like that. That is fantastic. Yeah, there's a, uh, there's a lot of labs out there right now that are, to an extent, providing the results that their customers want. Um, do you find yourself running into a lot of lab shopping and things of that effect? Absolutely, especially right now. Um, part of the reason that you're seeing that is because there's been a massive increase in the number of labs in the state. And I'm talking just BCC licensed labs, um, or I guess it's the DCC technically now. There's, there's even more labs who are not licensed to work in cannabis, but they're doing a lot of work in the R&D space. Um, and like I said, the issue with that is that there's not the volume of testing to support those labs. Um, specifically on the cannabis side of things. And what that's caused is labs to compete on things that they shouldn't be competing on, such as, hey, I can report your potency the highest, come to me. Hey, I can get you the results the quickest because I'm cutting some corners on the testing, uh, you know? Hey, I can make your THC the lowest so that you're compliant. Exactly, or I can make your THC the lowest so that you're compliant and I can completely overlook it. And unfortunately, you know, the same thing that I'm talking about with the saturation on the lab testing side of things, there are a lot of brands, a lot of manufacturers who are all competing against each other. And, you know, they don't necessarily have time as a resource to wait these things out. And so they need to get these results to sell their products. So they're making business decisions uh, as opposed to uh, decisions based on improving the pro pro uh, quality of their product. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a problem that is uh, rampant in the market. Uh, another topic I wanted to bring up with you is all of these new cannabinoids that are coming out, uh, I guess semi-synthetics if you will, or conversions or isomerizations, whatever you want to call them. Um, a lot of this new stuff that's coming out, there is a lack of standards for it. So you're seeing all this stuff get sent out for testing. I've seen products marketed with a COA that had a theorization about what that spike may have been, but it was unquantifiable, and that's what was being sent out with the products sold on the shelf. What is the solution to this? How do you go about quantifying these things, getting uh, getting standards made for these things? What, what's your solution? What would you do? So for us as a testing lab, we are a little bit at the mercy of the standard manufacturers for that. So some of the new ones that people are, uh, that are kind of hot topics in industry right now, uh, Delta 10, THCO, HHC. Those are three that we actually have certified reference material for. Um, but before we even offer those analysis, we need two different standard manufacturers to come out with standards for that specific analyte so that we can purchase those standards, bring them in house and compare and make sure that they're accurate. If we have two standard manufacturers and they're completely different, uh, you know, we're seeing completely different readings on the chromatogram, we really can't run an analysis for you because we don't necessarily know which of those two standards is accurate. So um, testing labs are at the mercy of standard manufacturers right now. Uh, luckily, we do have uh, pretty deep roots with a lot of these manufacturers, ResTech, Cerulean, Cayman. Um, like I said, because of the fact that the basis of our lab is, uh, you know, is PhD chemists owned and operated, so they already have a lot of these connections in industry. Okay. Um, and then, uh, in terms of actually offering the analysis for that, uh, our PhD chemists uh, have been able to integrate these standards into our methods, create clean curves and peaks, things like that. I'm not going to sit here and try and explain all the science because I'm not a chemist, but uh, that's you know we'll, we'll open ourselves as a resource to anybody who's curious about how we're doing it and why what we're doing is you know potentially more accurate than uh, 
and effective than, than our competitors. Understood. Uh, along the lines, you mentioned D10 earlier, and there's a, there's a little pet peeve of mine where people are calling D6A 10A D10, uh, and D10 is technically an isolate, which would be a powder, and D6, 6A 10A, would be the one that everybody's calling D10, which is the oil. So as far as your testing of D10 goes, do you know which one of those you're actually doing the testing on? Uh, so we are not calling D6A10A D10. Uh, our, Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> our analysts are aware that there's a distinct difference between yeah. the two. Um, I'd be remiss if I sat here and tried to explain the difference or why they know it's the dif a no difference. Need. All no I can need. tell you is that I know that they know uh, and that we're aware of it. And yeah, you know, that's a major issue with a lot of labs out there. And unfortunately, some clients like to see these oh, numbers combined, but we're telling, we are in the unfortunate position of saying, nope, those other labs are wrong, and that's not the answer you want to hear, but it's the answer that we're going to give you. Well, but more power to you. That's exactly what I want to hear from a testing lab. You're not there to make friends. You're there to do science. Exactly. Cameron Mateen, Director of Accounts for Infinite Chemical. Thanks for coming on The Modern Extractor. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me, Jason. Hey, this is Jason from The Modern Extractor coming at you live from the Extraction Expo here in Los Angeles. I'm here with Nina from Sandev.com. Nina, what brings you to the Expo today? Hi, so we have a new product line. So we're here, we're promoting it, trying to help, you know, overall wellness as a plant-powered product line. All so, right, so you've got a booth here, you're an exhibitor. Yes. What is it? Uh, tell me more about the product and what it is. Sure, so our company's name is Sandip, uh, which is basically our kids' names combined together. Sanaya is my daughter's name, which means ray of sunshine. And Deva is my son's name, which means blessed and divine. So Sandev is a combination of both names. All right. So we started as hemp growers and farmers in the Central Valley. And soon after that, we found out, you know, CBD is an amazing, amazing, powerful plant. And I am big on Ayurvedics. So I started mixing Ayurvedic time-tested herbs into our product line. All right. So give me an example of, say, one of your most popular products that you sell. Sure. So one of our most popular is a gummy with ashwagandha. And, you know, is ashwagandha is like amazing root that has an overall overall um, stress release and you know it helps with inflammation it helps with just overall wellness who do you think you're the majority of your clientele are? so anybody that is looking for any type of pain relief uh, reduce of inflammation building up immunity just someone that is conscientious about their health that wants to take the wellness approach for your health, overall health. Okay, you were, uh, before we got started with the record <laughs> button, you were telling me an interesting story about your husband and yourself and, uh, and how this whole company kind of came about. Uh, tell us about that. Yes, so after our farming hemp venture, um, it was a hard, hard for me to convince my husband. So he is an MD and I feel like med school definitely brainwashes you to think the only thing that helps the human body is pharmaceutical goods. And so my approach is a little bit different. It works, but you need to be consistent and you need to stay on it, is holistic. 
so slowly but surely he has turned to believe that holistic approach is probably the right approach because pharmaceuticals there's a lot of side effects so even if you're targeting that one wellness it's affecting so many other issues that you're causing your body to basically drain out but with this you know what is targeting you know what is helping and it's all plant powered it's all holistic and organic you can't go wrong with our products so if i were to pick one of your products up in my hand right now what would i be looking at so you would be looking at three different tinctures one is with holy basil which is for overall stress um, and then we have another tincture that is with turmeric and B12 and then we have one for sleep that is melatonin and chamomile and we have two different um, gummies one with ashwagandha and one with probiotics and we have dried mango chunks real dried mango chunks right. that are infused with CBD and then we have two topical creams well one's a balm and one's an oil that is fantastic. Nina from Sandef, thanks for coming on The Modern Extractor. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, this is Jason Showard, host of The Modern Extractor. We're here live at the Extraction Expo and CBD Expo West here in Los Angeles, California. I'm here with Radiant Hong, founder and CEO of Delta Munchies. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Welcome. Welcome on. Happy to have you here. Tell us a little bit about Delta Munchies and what you guys do over there. Delta Munchies, we're a Delta A company. Um, I grew up in the Bay. I started my life cultivating. And then after a couple of years, I moved over to Los Angeles to aspire to get a cannabis license. From there, I was just in labs and they found Delta 8. After I tried Delta 8, it was just an amazing cannabinoid, just killing all the anxiety I had. And after we tried that, I, I, I was forced to create Delta Munchies. All right, sounds good. So what do you guys produce at Delta Munchies? What would your product SKUs look like? Our product SKUs at the moment are disposable vape pens, which are killing it right now, gummies, edibles, pre-rolls and tinctures. Uh, we have a wide variety of a little bit of everything. Uh, we're, we're planning on adding more. We're planning on adding a 2 ml disposable vape pen. And right just keep, keep it rolling. Yeah, well, you guys have certainly seen a lot of explosive growth and success recently. Yeah. I uh, also being based in L.A. and yeah. uh, and seeing you yeah. from time to time, I get to uh, to watch this yeah. all happen. I think that comes a lot from just being in the cannabis industry for so long and understanding the cannabis culture as opposed to other Delta A companies that came from the vape industry or the e-liquid industry. It's not, they don't really understand because Delta A is essentially just a legal outlet to cannabis where other states can't obtain cannabis. That's what Delta A is relieving. And then that's what we, for, for me getting into this, I'm just trying to share the plant, share the medicinal benefits. I think that's why our marketing, when we do our marketing, the consumers really resonate with everything that we say, they understand, they could really digest everything that we're trying to communicate with them. Yeah, you guys have had quite the marketing push and seen seen significant success with it. You've been featured in tons of articles recently. What are some of the publications that you've been in? Yeah, we've been on Leafly. We're on the front page of Leafly, Delta A page, High Times Magazine, SF Gate, LA Weekly, MJ Biz Daily, all of those. I think it's just, I think 
they recognize that Delta is here to stay. It's not really a fad. I think consumers know what it is. Everyone knows what it is and what it does. And then it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, the day that you guys had your write-up for uh, for high times, you you saw some serious traffic to the website, huh? Yeah. Once we post, once the High Times magazine blog got posted, our website went down for like 15 minutes. It went back up, and ever since then, we've just been a snowball. Ever since, it's been right a blessing. On. That is, that's fantastic. That means those orders are rolling in. Yeah. So, being based here in California as a Delta Eight company, you, uh, you you're going to be hitting some some snags coming up here pretty soon. I uh, I was reading a lot about some of the new bills that are coming out in reference to Delta Eight. Mm-hmm. How do you plan to navigate that, and what's the plan for Delta Munchies? We, we read the bill. I I personally, obviously, it's going to be a hurdle. It's going to shake the whole industry up. But it was something the whole team, and I've been telling the team that we want to anticipate for. Uh, I'm super excited for, not excited per, for it per se, but we wanted regulation. We wanted it to be a safer. We want, we want to be here for a long time. And with this regulation, with this new bill, then it proves that it's showing that Delta 8, as long as you follow their rules and make it a safe product, then we could we could stay in the industry, and that's what we always wanted. We don't want we don't like all the animals in with Doritos, Delta Eight, Hot Cheetos, Delta Eight. Those need to fizzle out and get out of here, and that's what we we're waiting on from the get go. So we're we're happy with it. We're basically fully compliant from A to Z with that bill already, and then whatever they ask of us as that goes through, then we'll follow exactly what they say. So some of the compliance regulations or compliance requests are very unclear. What are you doing to stay in front of that or to stay on top of that and make sure that you will be looked upon kindly when it comes down to who followed the rules, who didn't follow the rules, when really they didn't give you very many rules? I think for us, the main thing for me as the founder or CEO is the first thing is to figure out who's in charge of this agency or who's putting these rules together and have that open line of communication with them and make sure that we have a healthy relationship and understanding one another. So whatever they need from us from one week or if it changes the following week, then we, we, we're fully aware of it and then we can adapt to whatever they need from us. I think that's a very wise approach. Yeah, you especially know? coming from the cannabis space because when I moved here from LA, we were waiting for our cannabis. Well, I came here in hopes my family was waiting for a cannabis license. So this is nothing new to me. We waited for four years communicating with the cannabis bureau, having miscommunications or whatever the case may be. So now this is just rehappening again within the Delta 8 space. So I think this time around, it will just be more aggressive in our approach. Like, what do you really need from us right now? Because we want to get that done. We want to be fully compliant. And that's it. we'll take every step and jump every hurdle to be compliant. Right on. I have a lot of respect for your hustle. I know the story. I know the fact that, you know, you came down here to operate a CO2 machine that sat in a warehouse doing nothing because you couldn't get the license the way that you were told you'd be able to get the license. Yeah. And now, you know, seeing you be able to adapt to that and then come through with a solid product and a solid brand and see some success out of that, it, it makes me happy to see it. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. It couldn't have happened to a better person. I'm glad to see the success happen. Radiant Hung, founder and CEO of Delta Munchies. Thanks for coming on The Modern Extractor. Thank you. Hey, this is Jason Showered with The Modern Extractor coming to you live from the floor of the Extraction Expo at the Hilton in Los Angeles. 
I'm here with Devin Miller, the founder and CEO of High on Nature. Devin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Jason. This is uh, quite the uh, turn of events for us, isn't it? It, it sure is. It sure is. We, we have known each other for a very, very long time. I think we're going on, what, 25 years now? Uh, yeah, I think it's, yeah, at least. <laughs> it keeps going up. It's, it does keep going up. This is the first time I've actually had a chance to interview one of my, uh, one of my close friends on the show. And I'm very happy that it's a, a pertinent interview. Let's get started with what is High on Nature? Uh, High on Nature is our in-house brand. So we basically, um, we did not actually think the project was going to be as serious as it was when we came up with this. We, we thought, all right, Delta 8 was coming around. This is going to be a quick little cash grab. Um, you know, legislators would eventually catch up with things. And that kind of turned into something much more. We're now we're actually doing white label manufacturing for like 15 other brands, maybe even more, if you think of the small ones. And now we're starting to get into some of the other more exciting cannabinoids like THCO, THCV, HCC. And uh, it's just been a really exciting to venture. Yeah, it's been exciting to watch. I've been there with the front row seat for it. And uh, I'm really happy for you guys seeing the success that you're seeing. Uh, would you say that the majority of your business is your white label business or your in-house brand? Um, on margins, it's more our in-house brand. Um, and to be honest, it's mostly a couple SKUs in particular that we have. Um, high milligram edibles is kind of what we're known for. Uh, the white label is a lot of revenue and it helps us keep our costs down because we're doing a lot of production for a lot of different brands. And it's just, it makes us fully vertical in that sense for everything with the exception of the extraction, which, you know, obviously I pick your brain up quite a bit on that stuff. Understood. Yeah, I've seen the operation in action. You guys, uh, you guys run a tight ship over there. So let's talk a little bit about the industry and what this new emerging industry of all the miners or semi-synthetics or whatever you want to call them, the isomerized cannabinoids is. What is your term of preference for that? Um, loopholes, perhaps, would be... Excuse me? Loopholes. Loopholes. All right. Loopholes. Well, that is exactly what they are. Yeah. Loopholes. Uh, so talk to us, actually. Let, let's go there. What is it that allows for you to get away with selling a product that absolutely gets you high, but can be sold in a gas station in Pennsylvania? Well... It all comes down to what the federal government decided a long time ago, which was to ban and regulate marijuana, which we can have a completely separate discussion on that. That's a why, whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah, we, you know. <laughs> but they decided that Delta 9 THG is what is illegal. That's what gets you high. And as you know, and everyone else kind of knows, the Farm Bill in 2018 basically said, you know, all hemp is going to be legal as long as it has a concentration of 0.3 Delta 9 THC or less. And so basically everything besides the traditional stuff that we know that gets you high, which is the Delta 9 THC, is kind of technically in this gray area of it's not weed, quote unquote, cannabis uh, that gets you high. So now you kind of have the existence of just all these new ones coming out that everyone's heard about CBD. CBD is good for you. You know, CBN, uh, CBG, and the list is going to go on and on and on. And I think, I don't know, you probably know better than me, hundreds of different cannabinoids out there that come from this wonderful plant. Uh, but all that being said, the feds have decided that it is Delta 9 THC that they are concerned with. Uh, so one little molecular bond difference 
and all of a sudden you have something that's now legal. And mind you, it also comes from hemp as well. So there's that. So comes from hemp is a huge asterisk in this respect. Comes from hemp, I think the, the intention of the law was to be basically you can extract CBD from hemp, so now that makes it legal. But now comes from hemp means you can take said CBD. I guess we should mention that CBD is the starting material that is most often, well, always used to convert from to create these new cannabinoids. Supposedly there's small amounts of Delta-8, and I guess there are small amounts of Delta-8 in hemp, but definitely not nearly enough to be able to do what you do well with I'm, that. I mean, it was, CBD was the strain that became really popular. And if you look back a couple of years ago, CBD isolate was $20,000 a kilogram. Yep. So people were breeding strains that basically had a high CBD count. So, so they could therefore extract the CBD and you know make money. So Delta-8, CBG, CBG actually started getting bred a little more recently, but these other cannabinoids were never bred because there was no market for it. So I think what you'll see is, as the market continues to mature, you'll actually see these minor cannabinoids actually get you know, bred more successfully in a more natural environment. You know, um, I'm no expert. I think CRISPR has been thrown around in ways to actually kind of change the plant to breed things that are um, more economically viable than just CBD. So right now we're just, we're kind of altering nature a little bit with chemicals, but technically it is possible from what I understand. Yeah, I can see that. You can definitely breed it. From a commercial viability standpoint, I think converting from CBD, which is one of the cheapest raw ingredients you can get on the cannabinoid spectrum, probably the cheapest on the cannabinoid spectrum, converting from that makes the most economic sense. And as of right now, that's not illegal to do. Well, I guess it depends what state you're in. So recently there's been, you guys are based out of Los Angeles. Yep, downtown. Recently, you guys got thrown quite a curveball. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so we're just kind of going through our day-to-day -day operations and thinking about, all right, we're gonna hire 10 more people this week, new managers, go to double shifts, and basically just continue to grow our business. And a friend of mine sent me a text message saying, man, it really sucks to be in California. And he's in a very red state, I won't say which state, but a very red state where cannabis is not legal. And I'm thinking to myself, what are you talking about? So I read the article and I see this bill that is now sitting on the governor's desk. Uh, Assembly Bill 45 is what I believe it's called. Basically saying that CBD is now basically going to fall under a lot of the guidelines that Delta 9 THC falls under. Um, and it was, it's really ambiguous. And it's also most concerning thing after talking to our attorney, and I'm no expert, but is that this language that is used in this bill basically can be used instantly. So it doesn't really lay out all the framework. It just says, you need to have a license. Your packaging needs to change. All Delta-8 THC is basically gonna fall under Delta-9 regulation, but it doesn't provide any guidelines to what actually needs to be done. There's a whole bunch of what you can't do, but no idea yes. how to do it. Yes. I mean, yeah, you need a license, but do we have to go through the BCC to get that? You know, do, do we have to go under an existing D9 license? Do you have to sell your product in licensed dispensaries? Can it yeah. no longer be in a gas station? Like, has any of this been defined? I mean, 
Not really, to my knowledge. And it's also, they have these contradictory carve-outs of you can produce in California and you can sell to other states as long as it's sourced from a California-compliant supply chain. But then that makes it so you're going to be uncompetitive because, as we all know, California taxes and regulations are just crippling. So we already have a really high cost of labor. We already have a really high cost of compliance, as is being in California. And now they're going to come in and basically say, we're going to make it even harder for you guys to function. And even though we're based in California, less than 1% of our business is in California. So they're kind of forcing our hands here to really strongly consider relocating. Yeah, well, hopefully somebody from uh, the, the California legislature of some sort is listening to my podcast and hears that. Yeah, I mean, we were in the process of hiring more employees. Uh, and we basically had to stop that. We actually had to let employees go. And we're now actively looking for a warehouse in Texas of all places. I mean, the most red anti-cannabis state where you get, I think, two years for having a, a dab in your car is, is a place where we're going. It almost breaks my heart. I was born and raised in California. We grew up in California together in the Bay Area. We saw this, this whole legalization thing happen and it's like, we're moving to Texas of all places because you can do it there and you can't do it here. Yes. That's, that's irony for you. Yes, it sure is. So what do you see for the future other than the fact of possible relocation and all the doom and gloom, what do you see for the, the future of High on Nature as of now as far as the direction you're heading as a business? Um, right now we're kind of just staying with the products that are in really high demand. What's the most highly, highly demanded Oh, so this is actually a funny story. Oh, I know. That's yeah. why I'm asking. Yeah, okay. So this is a funny story. So <laughs> originally when we came out, our, our product line was a 10 milligram Delta 8 gummy, a 25, and our, our 50 was our heavy hitter. And me personally, if I take a 50, I'm feeling like the world is a different place. And I'm done for the day. And so we offered these products along with uh, several other Delta 8 companies, kind of the standard uh, SKU 10 or 25 milligrams. And you know we have a lot of workers that are heavy users of traditional D9 product, and you know they'll be eating the gummies. They're like, oh, these gummies are weak. You know, Delta Eight is blah 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 blah. And um, I said, you know what? My understanding is basically it breaks down into Delta Eleven or something when you eat it. So it's basically the same thing for an edible. So there really should be no reason why it shouldn't get you guys toasted. So we decided, all right, what is the most ridiculous gummy that we could come up with. And so we just basically, we have these medical devices and we decided that 250 milligrams would, would fit on a peach ring or a peach light, peach ring like candies. So we decided, all right, we're gonna make a hundred of these and we're gonna give them the employees and we're just gonna shut them up about how Delta eight is not the real, real deal. And so we did that and we gave it to the employees and I think one of them ate 10 and came back the next day and was like, Wow, I take back everything I said about Delta 8. That was good. And so we like, gave out some more samples and we kept getting really good reviews from, from heavy users. And then we ended up sending some to some of our vendors that were carrying our product. They sent out samples to those people. And all of a sudden it just became like, the space ring was the thing, the 250 milligram candy that honestly, if I ate it, I would be in a coma. But you know, people build tolerance and uh, it's probably about 60% of our sales now. I think we're sending almost a pallet a week to Texas. Everything's bigger so and better crazy. in Texas, apparently. <laughs> 
yeah, if I took one of those things, I would be down for the count. But hey, to each their own. And if it's if you can sell it, sell it. Yeah, you know, and no one's. I don't think anyone's ever died from overdosing on uh, marijuana. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they are. I will say they are very well labeled. Yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, they're they're like on our website is like beware, caution, uh, and I mean, people that generally. They're also the price point is pretty pretty high. A random new person is is not going to be picking up space rings. We have. 10 other SKUs that are smaller doses. You know, our sample packs come with a, a 10, 25, and a 50. We don't give away the 250s to the random person walking down the street. Probably good, probably for the yeah. best. So then you guys are in a little bit of a holding pattern until you see how things shake out with this new bill. But if you do relocate to Texas, I know you have been focusing a lot more recently on your white labeling than you have been uh, in the beginning. Is white labeling a venture that you plan to pursue heavily? Um, yeah, I mean, it's the white labeling business has been good because it's just a lot of the connections. Um, you, you know, we really like our brand partners and working with them and just feel like we're bringing a lot of value to the customer and the community. Uh, the white labeling, it really depends on, you know, kind of this race against the giant production factories versus the little guys. And we're kind of in a nice spot right now where we're, we're not in a garage, but we're not also in a compound, like, uh, you know, with 500 employees, with, uh, you know, meetings every two hours. Um, so we're able to move pretty quick. So for example, HHC just kind of took the scene by storm. And so now we're able to, you know, pump out, hey, we need 5,000 cars. We can knock that out in a day or two. And, you know, we can get that packaged within a week, whereas just figuring out the supply chain with these bigger kind of more clunky companies, it just takes a lot more time to do. So that's kind of what I feel like our role is, is continue working with uh, our brand partners that we have a great relationship with and keep providing them a great product. And then also implementing kind of the new stuff, the curveballs, as you would say, that come out and need to get, you know, speed is really where it's at. Yeah, that makes sense. One of the things that I've seen firsthand is, you know, as you guys grew from a very small company up into what you are now, uh, I've watched you do business with a lot of the same folks that were much smaller distributors that have also grown through carrying your product. So I think that speaks volumes to the quality of your product and to the way the public is receiving your product. Yeah, it was really, it was really cool. Um, when one of our sales guys said, guys, I, you know, he was sending out samples to everyone, just trying to drum up sales six months ago. He says, guys, it was, uh, two months ago, one of, uh, one of these stores just called me and they said, I want to buy your product. And they never tried it. They never heard about it. Just, you know, one of their friends had said, you got to sell this product. It's amazing. The customers love it. And it's kind of, for us, it's kind of like, whoa, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I know that moment you speak of. When I first started this podcast, I was calling everybody, come on, come on the show. I'm going to make this podcast. Trust me, just be on the show, be on the show. And then now people are reaching out to me. Hey, can we get on your show? It's just like when that when that flips, you're like, all right, we're doing something yeah. real. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, it's an exciting thing. Well, uh, you know, congratulations, buddy. It looks like we're both doing something all yeah, right. Yeah, I was going to say congratulations to you too. I mean, this is just a very... <laughs> Surreal moment for both of us, I think. Absolutely. Well, I usually shake the hand after we get off the air, but uh, <laughs> pleasure talking to you on the show. This one. <laughs> All right, Devin Miller, founder and CEO of High on Nature. Thanks for coming on the Modern Extractor. All right, thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. Hey, this is Jason Shower coming at you live from the floor of the Extraction Expo and CBD Expo West here in Los Angeles, California. 
I'm here with George Stanchev, CEO of Comerg. George, what do you guys do over at Comerg? We design and sell extraction equipment. We've been in the extraction business for over 25 years. You're in the right place space, <laughs> And now in the cannabis. All right, all right. What, what, what space did you say you were in before? Fragrance and flavor. So okay. extracting terpenes or essential oils. Okay. Uh, have you designed equipment specifically for cannabis extraction or are you just uh, re repurposing equipment that you use to extract other essential oils? Well, yes, we designed this equipment especially for the cannabis field as the fragrance field usually is very custom. You do uh, all the installation and every process design custom. So in this field, we had to design strictly um, cannabis related systems for dry, extracting dry material, extracting a larger and a smaller scale. scale. Okay, so I know one of the things that's very unique about your technology is that you are not using any of the same techniques or solvents that most of the other folks in the industry are using. Tell us a little bit about your unique approach. Okay, so in the past we designed systems with uh, pretty much any solvent out there, with ethanol, hexane, superheated water, steam distillation, and uh, when Seven years ago, we looked into that cannabis field. Uh, we looked through abilities of every solvent to extract most efficient cannabinoids. And we figured that uh, utilizing R134A, or also known as Freon, uh, is uh, one of the most efficient way to extract cannabis. Yeah, I actually heard, I was, my first experience with one of these Mace Media shows was at Concentration 2019. And there was a gentleman on stage, I don't remember who, who exactly it was, that was talking about the efficacy of R134A in cannabis extraction. And I remember double taking at that, thinking that that sounded very strange from anything that I knew of. So do you get that response a lot from people that you tell you're using essentially refrigerant well, people doesn't know any uh, doesn't know much about R134A. They think it's uh, poison or it's uh, not good for uh, human health. But actually, it's in uh, uh, in health for asthma. It's been approved from FDA for extraction since 2001 and is uh, completely safe. It's a grass rated, okay. and it's very well uh, accepted by the uh, fragrance and flavor society, flavoring especially. Okay, so how does R134A work? differently than the other solvents that are out there. I mean, there's kind of the big three, right? So how does R134A fall into that? Well, that's a very long conversation, but I'll try to uh, tell it in a few words. Uh, literally, similar extracts similar. You've heard about uh, polar, non-polar solvents, and usually the oil compounds are non-polar. So to extract a non-polar, you are looking for um, extract them with non-polar solvents. And these non-polar solvents are usually uh, hexane, butane, freon, which freon actually is hydrocarbon, but fluorinated hydrocarbon, uh, very close to the general hydrocarbons, but non-flammable. So in general, we found, actually we promoted a solvent that behaves like CO2 and doesn't um, need to be purged from the final extract as uh, it's been done there. Uh, solvent that doesn't need to um, require winterization of the extract as uh, called ethanol and uh, a hydrocarbon that extracts literally only the oils without pulling the waxes and uh, lipids. 
it seems like you're touching on the best of all of the different extraction styles with one extraction solvent. Exactly. We what? try to combine all the benefits in one. That's that seems great. How come how come there aren't more companies doing this right now? Is it says it a patent thing? Is it uh, just people being uneducated or scared of the solvent? What what do you think it is? Well, that's uh, that's a hard question to answer. But uh, usually, yeah, people they have some stigma um, because it's uh, it's a chemical. It's like it sounds like chemical and. It looks like chemical, but actually uh, it's geniusly designed that it doesn't really have any negative effects on neither the plant, neither the human being. Um, and um, I would say that uh, people mostly are looking at what others are using and what the standard in this industry is set up by pharma. And that's why they're going after these uh, three other methods, um, not looking into uh, alternatives that actually can save them much more money into a uh, long term. Understood. So talk to me a little bit about the process of extracting with R134A. Do you agitate it in a, uh, in a centrifuge? Do you run it through a column? What is it most closely related to from the common extraction techniques that most listeners will know now? The process is very simple. Actually, it's um, very similar to the butane extraction but uh, it can be easily automated and easily scaled up to very high volumes. Um, you actually introduce the material with uh, the solvent, which uh, actually refrigerant, that's the, highest, uh, the best property of the refrigerant that it changes phase very easily. It's in a, a liquid phase when it is at room temperature and it's a gas phase when it is uh, heated up to over 30, 40 degrees C. So it's very easy to be liquefied and separated from um, the so-called micellar, the mixture of solvent and oils. So with your process, do you sell just an extraction machine? Do you sell extraction and solvent recovery? Is it a full suite? Uh, what, what is your product that you guys are selling? We sell a complete device which has everything built in, in there. It's, uh, it has 99% recovery of the solvent and we even deliver it with the solvent. So the only need that you need to do is plug it to the power. And for the smallest machine, the 20 liter machine, it's actually 2000 watt. It's very uh, power efficient device. And it has already in there the extraction, the separation and the recovery vessels built in. Uh, what are the temperatures like on this machine when you're running it? We extract at room temperature, and that's the most important thing in uh, this method of extraction. Because you introduce the material, uh, you can set it up to extract anywhere 20, 25, 30, 35 C. And with each temperature level, you get different consistency. It's like a slicing down the material. And all happens at room temperature, which means uh, we leave the um, even the enzymes um, unbroken into the extract and everything um, transfers into the oil from the plant in the most natural form without any degradation. So do you pick up any chlorophylls or anything like that? No, we don't. And uh, that's one of the reasons why um, we choose Freon because uh, we kind of come from the front door 
we uh, extract only what we need and the plant doesn't even change color after that. While if you uh, use any of the flammable solvents like uh, ethanol or hexane, you come up with crude and you have to winterize that crude and in order to make a very pure extract. So then you're not picking up any facts, fats, waxes, or lipids, or any of that? Correct. Okay. What does your final extract look like after you're done running the process? So the final extract, it's, uh, well, it's very strain-specific. So it carries the um, um, profile, the chirping profile of the original plant, cannabinoid profile of the original plant, and uh, the colors that uh, the actual flower uh, cares. So let's say the um, glue strains will uh, um, penetrate into the darker color, but uh, lemon and uh, strains will um, let the extract to have lighter color. Okay. And then when you're finished with this extract, does it often go to distillation? Can you put it into a cartridge as is? Like, how is the how is your extract typically consumed after it's finished? The best uh, form that our extract can be consumed is as a live resin. We can extract fresh, mean wet material or fresh uh, cured material, and uh, you can uh, get a very high terpene profile with a very light cannabinoid profile, which is perfect for vaping. It's not too intense and it's very uh, flavored. Also, you can uh, decap the material and do um, a full spectrum run, as we call it. That has very high concentration of cannabinoids, around 80% and probably around 1-5% to terps. And this is good for um, any edibles or uh, moving to uh, next phase, which is distillation and making a distillate out of it. So with your process being run at room temperature, theoretically, the material shouldn't be exposed to temperatures that would decarboxylate it. So you're extracting THCA, is that correct? Or CBDA? Well, with the first phase, the live resin, yes. The live resin is the most precious part we pull from the plant. That's the natural room temperature extracted uh, resin. And uh, as we know, this industry is looking also for um, converted material, so that's how we also suggest this, uh, that we can convert and extract the material of the second phase. So then you would put it into a reactor or something to that effect Correct. to decarb it and, and then do whatever? A vacuum oven and within an hour gotcha. it's get decarboxylated without any uh, change of flavor or uh, loss of uh, terps. If you do have, let's say it's THCA, if that's what you're working with after a run, uh, have you experimented with making diamonds or some of these other concentrates that you can make with, say, a butane extraction? I know that some of our customers uh, made those already. We, as extraction company, don't have a THC license on our own to do a lot of experiments, but uh, we keep in touch with our customers and we've seen beautiful products made. That's fantastic. That's uh, that's super interesting. It's not every day that you get to actually talk about, I guess it's not new, but uh, newer to the scene forms of extraction. And it's, uh, it's at expos like this that, that get me excited to see what else is out there. So I uh, appreciate you coming on the show.
George Stanchev, CEO of Comerg. Thanks for coming on The Modern Extractor. Thank you, guys. Hey, this is Jason Showard, host of The Modern Extractor podcast, coming at you live from the floor of the Extraction Expo in Los Angeles. I'm here with Karen Gallas, COO and guarantor of Satisfaction of Alchemy Extractors Incorporated. That is a fantastic title. How did you get that? I made it up. <laughs> As many of us do with all of the titles on our business cards. Well, you know, you got to get creative these days. And that was something that I am responsible for. Therefore, it's true. I love it. I love it. So you guys make a product called the Cryoethics, Cryo which I think is really, really interesting. It is essentially a tabletop cryogenic ethanol extractor. Is that accurate? That, that's correct. All right. So tell us a little bit about the cryoethics, how it works, and what we can expect if we open the box. Well, the first thing is, it's not a kitchen appliance. This is a true lab extractor based on the science of ethanol extraction okay. done at cryogenic temperatures. So what we've done is created a 12 inch by 17 inch by 13 inch high version that allows you to take basic ethanol, two to five ounces of your favorite organic product, be it cannabis or hemp. And then we add dry ice and isopropyl alcohol around three different vessels. So that's why we can put it into this small desktop size because there's three different vacuum sealed cylinders. One has a chill coil, one is the place where you put your organic material, and the other is where you have your actual ethanol extraction solution. We have two peristaltic pumps on each side. And what it does is it basically pumps the ethanol through the chill coil, which gets the actual chilling the ethanol down to negative 50 to negative 70 C, which is critically important when you're doing ethanol extraction because- Absolutely is. Nobody wants the green goo. We don't want the chlorophylls, the lipids, and the fats, and the waxes. We want the pure cannabinoids, the terpenes, the flavor, and the magic. Absolutely. So after it runs through this system, now when you take it out of the system, you have a tincture or a micella, which is ethanol and your cannabinoids and your terpenes. Do you have a next stage beyond that? Well, the interesting thing is once you start with this extracted solution, which is an ethanol solution, that unto itself is extremely potent. Um, our laboratory test results show that we get on average of 86% of whatever the original plant material had in it. We extract that out of the, the material through this 30-minute process. Now, a lot of people like to just have it as a a beverage. So you can take a tiny, teeny weeny bit of this, 20 milliliters, and make a am most amazing cocktail. You can have your own signature cocktail. Right. Now, if you want to reduce it down, you can do a couple of things. Some people want to recover the ethanol, and some people don't care if they're recovering the ethanol. So if you want to recover the ethanol, you can use a vacuum um, distillation equipment. Uh, that's another product. It uh, doesn't cost anywhere, you know, it's, they're not expensive, but they're still another stage in the process. Uh -huh. That's how you actually remove the ethanol to an extent that you can get it down to tincture concentration. Um, again, that would be if you wanted to use it sublingually, um, just a drop or two. 
again, you can use it in the ethanol solution as it is, but you're always going to have a little bit of ethanol in there just so that the viscosity can be, you can use it in yeah. any way you want. As soon as you remove all of the solvent, then it's really difficult to deal with and transfer and all that fun stuff. And then it's just oil. And that's in goo and it, and it gets gooier and it's harder to work with. So absolutely. So uh, if you were to plan to use this as an alcohol based tincture uh, for a cocktail or for whatever else to consume, um, let's say you wanted to do THC uh, in your plant material, you're going to be having a bunch of THCA in the plant material, which hasn't been decarbed into THC at this point. So with something like this, if you were to do this at home, would you recommend decarbing the plant material in advance of the extraction? Or would you want to take it all the way down to, to uh, the goo stage first? Great question. And actually, I would say, go to our website and look at the, we have a very robust uh, frequently asked questions. And what the, the real question is, what do you plan to do with this tincture? How do you, what kind of end product do you want? Do you want to have a, a tincture, make an alcohol drink? Do you want to infuse it in foods? And so decart, or do you want to make a vape pen and, and vape it? Um, all these things are possible with a pure extract, but whether you decarb it first, converting the THCA to THC to make it psychoactive, um, depends on what your ultimate end use of the product is. So that's why we say go to the website and review what your end use products are and that'll tell you whether you need to decarb prior to or after. That makes sense. That's a fantastic answer. So I'm, I'm definitely intrigued by this. When When's it going to be available? When can I get my hands on one of these if I want to buy one? <laughs> well, I'm happy to tell you that the Cryoethics is now available for sale for the first time this week, and we're debuting it with you. All right. Well, fantastic. You guys heard it, heard it here first. Cryoethics, the tabletop cryoethanol extraction unit. Right. Just visit alchemyextractors.com for all the information you need. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much, Karen Gallas, COO and guarantor of satisfaction for Alchemy Extractors. Thanks for coming on The Modern Extractor. <laughs> oh, thank you. It was a pleasure. All right. Thanks again to all the guests that stopped by my booth and chatted me up at the Extraction Expo. As always, if you want to hear about something specific on the show, let me know. Email me, jason at modernextractor.com. Make sure to follow the show on Instagram at the underscore modern underscore extractor. If you're digging what I'm doing here on the show, please leave me a review on Apple or Google Podcasts. The better ratings and reviews the show gets, the better guests I can keep booking for you here in the future. Stay tuned for next week, where we'll be talking to more folks from my booth on the expo floor. Season four will be out in November after myself and all the guests I've been trying to book recover from MJ BizCon and all the fun that we have out there in Vegas. We'll be back at it with more full-length interviews from guests on the cutting edge of extraction and cannabis lab science. A big thanks to Isada Venegas for handling business on the show's social media, and a shout-out to the New Fools for bringing the funk on the Mod X theme song. Thanks again to everybody for tuning into The Modern Extractor. New episodes are out every Tuesday. I'm Jason Showered. Let's talk soon.